You are here. You are here. You are right here. You're right here right now. You made a decision somewhere along the way to be here. You went through certain preparations to be here. As I stand out in the lobby on some Sunday mornings and watch people come in, and I see the ones with the little short people in tow, and I think about all that you have done to be here. And all the screaming from the front seat at the kids in the back seat on the way to church, all that you've done to be here, it's a lot. You made a lot of preparation to be here, and so now you are geographically here. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, Abby, is to be here and to turn off your phone. I'm going to ask every one of you right now, unless you're a brain surgeon waiting for a call, to reach into your pocket and turn off your phone. Go. Now you are here. And some of you are already starting to get nervous about being disconnected from all of there. But I promise you this, that if you remain connected to all of there while you are here, you will miss what is happening here. And you don't want to miss what's happening here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And he said, I'll take care of everything you need. You don't have to worry about there, and you don't have to worry about then. You don't even have to worry about the now of your life if when it comes time to be here, you are here. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then he said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. So you make a decision to neither dwell in the past or worry about the future, but to be here. And I want to talk with you over the next few weeks about experiencing the power of the present. Experiencing the power of the present. Because there is a power in the present that you can only experience by being fully present. And our culture has reached this, this pace of distraction. We have this, we're having this affair as Christians with this thing called connectivity. Where we have to constantly be connected with everything that's going on everywhere in the world. Or we feel like we're missing out on something and it's starting to frame our identity. And Jesus turns the whole thing on its head and says, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, you have to disconnect and be fully here when it's time to be here. When you learn to become fully present with God, then you have an opportunity for certain things to happen that many believers never actually experience. There are many, many believers. It has been my observation that there are many, many believers who go through their whole lives without having opportunity 
to encounter God. They believe. They do the stuff, but they don't encounter God. In this series, it's my hope to develop some of some of the things that God wants to do in your life for you so that you may grow into maturity and experience God as followers of His only begotten Son, Jesus. We've been going over a lot of ground lately about we want to be followers, yes? Well, if we're followers, then we're experiencing Him, we're encountering Him. And what I'm saying is that to encounter Him, you have to be fully present when it's time to be fully present. Some of you have already given yourselves to this. We've had conversations. I see it in your lives. You know what I'm talking about already. You won't mind me spending some time talking about it more because you love it so much. But there are others who going, I, Tom, I, I want this thing you keep talking about, experience. I want that. I'm waiting for it. And so it is my heart as your pastor to help you find it. I need to give you a warning And that is that the contents of this series has the very real potential of ruining your life as you now know it. No, I don't mean adjusting it. I mean ruining it. The contents of what I'm going to share over the next few weeks has the potential for wrecking you. It has the potential for leading you to a place where you actually deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Him. It has the potential, men, for you to wreck you in such a way that you don't care about your career anymore. It has the potential for some of you couples to wreck you in such a way that you are going to leave everything you have and you are going to move to some uttermost part of the earth to declare the kingdom of God to those who are waiting to hear it. The Bible reveals that there are a number of things that God wants to do to us when we become fully present with Him. And the first thing I'd like to share with you this morning, and I argued with the Lord a little bit about why it's first, because it seems a little more developed. In my mind, I had a little more linear progression, but turns out the Lord is not linear. But I believe, and He always wins the arguments, by the way, every time. I should know better by now, but I don't. I believe the first thing that he means for us to discuss this morning is that when we are fully present with God, that He wants to open your eyes to see the kingdom around you. That God is in the business of opening the blind eyes. Has anybody been reading the Bible? No? You should. When you read it, you'll see that Jesus was all about the business of opening blind eyes over and over and over again. It was something that actually got Him into a lot of trouble opening blind eyes. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus was already, he'd already died for our sins. He'd risen from the dead and he was wandering around as the risen Savior, only half recognizable. And as he did, he was on the road to Emmaus and a couple other disciples, not of the 12, but of the next layer disciples, however that worked, were walking along and Jesus walked among them and he said, hey, what are you guys talking about? And he said, well, we're talking, they said, we're talking about this Jesus. And he says, like, well, tell me. He said, what, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened? <laughs> and and they, they talked to him about Jesus and how he had been crucified and that there was report that he was risen from the dead. And 
in verses 20, or 30 and 31, it says, When he was at table with them, he stopped, and he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened. He was right there in front of them all the time. He was right there in front of them all the time. He was in their midst, but they couldn't see him until he opened their eyes. The Apostle Paul, at his conversion, on his way to kill Christians, he was stopped on the road to Damascus by the Lord himself who caused him to be blind. Why did he cause him to be blind? So he could heal him. (laughs) Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, and placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Because God's in the business of opening our eyes to see the things that are really there. One of my favorites is in 2 Kings chapter 6. and So what's happening is that there's a battle. The king of Aram is battling against the Israelites, and the prophet Elisha is on the scene. And, and what he's doing as a prophet is he's telling the king of Israel where to move so that they won't come under attack of, of the Arameans. And so every time the Arameans set up camp, uh, Elisha came and had already told the king of Israel where they were going to be, so they weren't there. Well, this was kind of cranking the king of Aram off. And so what he did was he said, why are, why are they never where you say they're going to be? And they came back and they said, because of the prophet Elisha. He keeps telling them where we're going to be. And so uh, they said, the king of the Aramean king said, well, I've got it. Go get Elisha. And so he said, all his, his whole armies on going and capturing Elisha. It was a strategic move. And so in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a point at which Elisha is traveling along with his servant, someone who was his aide, someone who was helping him, and they're traveling along, and they were fully surrounded by the Aramean army. And this looks bad. So you would think. 2 Kings chapter 6, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Wouldn't you? The jig's up. This is bad. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Don't you just love it when people say stuff, spiritual stuff like that, that you don't understand? Don't worry. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Servant's like, I don't see them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. It was a done deal. It was already done. Because the victory is the Lord's. But not everyone can see it. You may be asking yourself the question, am I crazy enough to suggest that in this room right now, There is an alternate parallel reality that can be seen by some and not others. You you might be saying, Tom, now are you really going to go that far out on the limb and say that right now there are angels moving about this room? Are you really going to say that? Are you really going to say that there's stuff going on in here that would be called the kingdom of God that is happening and that is seeable by some but not others? And my answer is yes. 
It's happening in this room right now. It's happening all the time. There is a present reality called the kingdom of God that is happening simultaneously in this room with our earthly reality. You are already the beneficiaries of this. Why do you like to come here? To listen to me? God forbid. To look at my new Christmas shirt? I've been asked so many times, I thought I'd just get it out there. Yes, it's a new shirt. People say, well, you look nice. And I think, don't I always look nice? Why are you saying that? You may touch it later. I had people come up and rub me today and go, is that a new shirt? Is that what you do with people you know? Do you rub them? My goodness. Do I rub you? Sometimes I do, actually. You're already the beneficiaries of the reality that is seen by those who have come to the place of seeing it. You're already the beneficiaries of something that some of you can't see. This whole healing thing, what, what was happening up here? Some could see, some could not, but you're beneficiaries of it. It's similar maybe to oxygen. Is everybody breathing okay? You're pretty confident of this whole oxygen exchange thing, aren't you? You're pretty confident of the whole breathing in and the breathing out of carbon dioxide. And, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Now the room's full of carbon dioxide. Not at all, because God has made provision for sufficient oxygen for you to breathe all you want. Take a deep breath. Go ahead. There you go. Take another one. You can have all you want. And you can't see it, but you're happy beneficiaries of the invisible reality of oxygen, yes? And you'd know it if it wasn't here. You'd know it if it weren't here, wouldn't you? The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God comes wherever people come together and acknowledge his lordship. The kingdom of God is here. Wouldn't you like to see them? Wouldn't you like to see? Wouldn't you like to get a glimpse of what's happening? Your life is going to be different forever when your eyes are opened to this. And not always in good ways. (laughs) I've been to places that I never would have chosen to go by my own human inclination. Places that were dangerous because of I saw the Lord leading me there. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And those of you who know what I'm talking about say the same thing. Yeah, you wrecked me forever, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't want to go back. The first time I saw something that I thought, what was that, was in 1978. And I was in seminary, and I was part of a church that didn't believe in seeing stuff. You know, read your Bible, hang on, tell everybody that they need to come to Jesus, and you'll be okay. Which, that's a kind of a church. So that's all right. And so I just kind of minded my own business, and I was at work. I worked a 3 to 11 shift as a maintenance man at a nursing home, and I was there, and about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, just toward the end of the shift, and there was a place where they wanted me to go down and sit down while there was a change of shifts, the nurses changed, and I was supposed to be some kind of security for them, I don't know. I just sat and talked to them mostly, but I was sitting there by myself, and I saw something that appeared before me, and there were faces. And then I heard a voice. One voice said, who will go, who will go to these faces? And the other voice said, you will go, you will go. 
I was praying to be a missionary at that time to the Navajo Indian people out in Gallup, New Mexico. I'd been there. But the trouble is, is these faces were not their faces. They were your faces. That messed me up. Messed up my whole plan. That's the night I got stuck with you. So now you got stuck with me. But more than that, it messed up my whole view of the Bible. Is God really still showing up the way he used to? That's not what I was being taught. It messed everything up. My first trip to India, the first thing I did was when I got there, I was so terrified of being there, not knowing what I was going to do, that I just fasted for three days. I locked myself in a room, and I fasted for three days. And in that process, God gave me a vision of a face of an Indian man. And then when I went to do a service on the evening of the third, third day, I went to this church, and I started preaching, and I saw this face of this guy. I saw him. And I terrified the poor guy by saying, I know you, I've seen your face in a vision, and God has, boom. Send this gringo away. I've seen, as many of you know, things around this property. There's an amazing wall of fire around this property. There's, did you hear that? There's an amazing wall of fire around this property. Some of you think it's a path. It's a wall of fire with gates and angels. I was uh, getting discouraged a couple of years ago, and I was crying out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, is there really a wall of fire around this place, or am I making all of this up because things are not going the way I want them to go? And I cried out to him, and I went out into the hiding place, the little hut out there, and I went out there, and when I did... He led me, for some reason, to Zechariah. Now, I don't spend a lot of time in Zechariah, i got to tell you, all right? I'm barely understanding the Gospels. I, I, Zechariah, that's, that's minor prophets just blow my mind. But he led me to Zechariah, and so I said, okay, I'll go to Zechariah. And in chapter 2, it says, Then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him, and said to him, run, tell that young man. (laughs) I took a little liberty with that. Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Now you can't make that stuff up. Recently, God has been showing me in the picture place His royalty. And I, we've all, we talk about God being our king, yes? He's been showing me what he looks like as king, and it wasn't anything like what I expected. And what it does is it causes me to fall down to the floor and say, you are my king. And what I've noticed is that in that time, the sin issues that I continued to struggle with are vanishing because he is my king. And so when those temptations come to me, I just simply say, God, you are my king. I drop down on one knee and I say, you are my king. And the temptation flees because the servants, the warriors of the king don't do that. Now, maybe you're curious about what these sin issues are and it's just none of your stinking business. I'm not curious about yours. Make an appointment with Tony. He's waiting to hear your confession. Last Tuesday night at our prayer meeting, 
and Tony was leading the prayer meeting, and I was praying and just trying to follow what the Lord was saying to me and kind of moving about praying for a couple of people, and it was pretty powerful. And then the Lord showed me something I've never seen, ever, ever seen before. And I was stunned. I was paralyzed. I, was lit- I literally went and sat on the floor against the wall. And I, I felt like I could move at first, but I didn't want to move because of what the Lord was showing me. And then I tried to move and couldn't because of what the Lord was showing me. I've never seen anything like that before. I didn't know that was here, and now I can't unsee it. And I'm, it is so powerful, and it is so cool, it is so amazing what is here. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I haven't told a single person what it is. I just want you to know that I believe it is a normal part of the life of a follower of Jesus Christ to be shown things by God. I want... I wonder if I could ask you to raise your hand if I have ever said something from up here that caused you to wonder, how did he know that? It's because I'm so smart, right? I wonder if we have ever had opportunity to pray together, and as I was praying, I started praying for something that was so personal to you, something that was happening that you went, how did he know that? Anybody? It's because I'm so smart. It's because... This isn't meant to be a normal dimension of a follower's life. It's for God to show them stuff. Listen very carefully. I am not special. I am not... I might be special to you. God bless you. But I am not exceptional. I am not unique. I am not something that is meant to be an example of out of the ordinary. I am your brother, Following God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I'm telling you that what happens in my life can, and I believe it should be happening in the life of every believer who is following hard after Him. In Acts chapter 2, when God poured out His Spirit on the church and everybody was going, what's happening here? Well, Peter stood up and said, well, what's happening here is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel, who said in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh you'll see you'll have dreams and see visions you will see the works of the lord there are things for you to see but the warning is is that once you see them you can't unsee them and it rattled your brain how you ask go ahead ask me i dare you begins with a decision begins with a decision to say okay i want this I want, I want that to happen. I want to become fully present with God so that that kind of thing can begin to happen in my life. Don't make that decision lightly, but you know, make it with the warning that you may end up in a very different place than you, your plan for happiness and comfort may be right now. And in the decision, you're saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to this place, that there are clearly barriers in the way. So I am willing to do that. The second thing you're going to need is time. You have to show up for this. You see, one of the things that happens in the time space between when you make the decision and God starts showing you stuff is the character formation. If something happens in your own life so that you're ready to start seeing stuff when you see it. Because I'm 
I'm convinced from Scripture that God is very willing to show us stuff. When are we ready to start seeing stuff? Could be a somewhat different answer. It took me somewhere around seven years to begin to see stuff, but I definitely had the advantage of the 1978 vision thing. I got, I got you know, I have to say that. But there was nothing after that, except my desire for God and saying, "If you're still doing this stuff, I'm in. I, I, that's what I want. If you're still doing it." Because my teaching in the Bible had been, God isn't doing that stuff anymore. Yeah, he used to do it, or the Bible wouldn't be true. That there's, a, there's a false theology that tries to prop up the Bible saying God used to do it, but the reason he's not doing it now is because he has other plans. And with the death of the apostles, that's no longer true. That is a lie. That is false theology. Listen, it's false theology that's based on terrible interpretation of important scripture. Jesus said, to his disciples, he said, I command you to teach everything I have commanded you. Everything. Did he, did, he, did he teach them to heal the sick? Of course he did. It's going to take some time. You need a place. You need a place to ponder the works of the Lord. At the center of being fully present with the Lord is having a place that isn't a place you that has is full of distractions, that the phone is off. It's a place. It's the creation of a place. It's the willful, intentional creation of space where that's where I'm going to go and I'm going to be present with God. It's At the core of this is developing the practice of having a place where you can ponder the works of the Lord, where you can just really ponder the works of the Lord. Ponder the scripture. And then you need focus. And this will take time. This, I, I assume I'm, I'm probably falsely sort of, what do you call that? You know, my experience on yours. I don't mean to do that because my world isn't the world. But I'm just saying in my experience, it, it just takes time to learn to focus on the things of God. You know, where are you looking? I've talked to you before about this third place. I have a place where I think. I have a place where I imagine and then there's this whole other third place. There's where God comes. It's not what I'm thinking about. It's not what I'm imagining. It's, it's another place. It's a place where the eyes of my heart are opened. And I learn to focus there now. And in disciplining yourself to do these things, you are learning to become fully present with God. You are here. We're coming back from Michigan visiting the moms here recently and stopped at a rest area. And I always look at the map. For some reason, waiting for Karen. And uh, I always look at the map on the wall, don't you? Because I always look for that one thing that says, you are here. Oh, good. I'm there. I knew where I was, but I like to have it confirmed. You are here. But every time I've looked at a map in a journey that said, you are here, it always represented a place that I didn't want to be. I'm just passing through. I don't need to be present there because I'm just using the bathroom and I'm moving on. When I say you are here, this is the place you're looking for, this place with God. This, this is the droid you're looking for. Sorry. I accidentally saw The Force Awakens. Now I can't stop thinking about it. This is the place you're looking for. In Mark chapter 10, that Tony read for you a little while ago, Bartimaeus was like, oh, calling out for Jesus. 
People were preventing him from coming. And that's what religion wants to do. Religion wants to tell you, don't come to Jesus. Don't come to Jesus. He might open your eyes. That's what religion wants to say. Don't come. Don't come. Don't come. But he kept calling out. Finally, Jesus looked at him, and what did he say? So what do you want me to do for you? You, you suppose Jesus didn't know that Bartimaeus wanted his eyes to be open. He wanted to see. Jesus knew that, but there was something required of Bartimaeus. And what was required of him was to say, I want to see. I'm done being blind. I want to see. And when he said that, then Jesus touched him, healed him, and caused him to see. Do you want that? Answer slowly. You could reroute your whole plan. The whole trajectory of your life could change. In John 5.19, Jesus said that the Son only does what He sees the Father doing. Now, I know we're not Jesus, and there's no way we will ever become the only begotten sons of God. I, I, I know that. But in how many different ways in the Gospels does Jesus serve as the pattern for the life that we're intended to live? And this is it. This is part of it, is to be men and women who only do what we see the Father doing. Well, how can we see what the Father's doing unless He opens our eyes? I'm going to invite you to come up for prayer, but before you decide whether you want to come or not, you need to know, I've already been over the, it's going to wreck your life if he opens your eyes. But the other thing is, is I'm not guaranteeing, and it's not a matter of faith, it's a matter of the will of God and the plan of God for your character, that in coming up here you're automatically going to be start seeing everything that's going on around you. But the prayer I want to offer for you, for anybody who'd like to come up and say, I want this, is a prayer of agreement with you that according to how God leads you into this, that you'll begin to see the works of the Lord. So if that's you, come on up. Did you not hear the part about it ruining your lives? You're going to end up somewhere different than you're planning. Grace of God, just fall on those who are answering this call right now. Grace of God, just fall on them. First, I just want to bind the, the devil in your life for any fear that you may have. Because perfect love casts out all fear, the Bible says. There's no fear in judgment. And the devil's all about judgment. I also want to bind the devil in a sense of argument in your life that you're not worth this. I break that lie in the name of Jesus. 
you don't get to declare your worth. We don't get to tell God what we're worth to him. Only he declares our value, and he says, you're worth the price of my son's blood. Let the grace of God just fall on you now. Some of you may be in a space where you're kind of like Bartimaeus, and you feel like you're just calling through the crowd, if that's where you are. Let your heart call through the crowd. Call through all the religious stuff that is laying between you and the Lord. The empty religious stuff. Lord, I pray that you'll turn your face to the people who are seeking you. I pray that you'll just turn your face to them. These people are making themselves fully present. 